I turned myself up there a little bit. Good afternoon. This is Rob Port here on 970 WDAY. Email talk at WDAY.com. Call in 701-293-9000, Good afternoon, Atiel. How are you? Pretty good today. I wish it was a little less windy out there. It's hard to enjoy this beautiful weather when the winds are gusting at 40 miles an hour. It is, but usually when we're coming out of a cold spell and the winds are blowing like that, that means warm air is coming. Except it doesn't because Sunday it's going to be like 53 degrees, Monday 50, Tuesday 45. Well, then I'll just quit my amateur meteorologist uh, pontificating here and uh, we'll get right to the 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 gist of the show. Fine. I'll shut up, Natil. You don't have to... You don't have to, I'm going to go find some cookies. You don't have to make me look like an idiot. I do a good enough job of that all on my own. All right. Chad Peterson, Cass County Commissioner. You know, yesterday, refugee resettlement, we all know, hot topic, big issue, a lot of people talking about it. Down in Bismarck, uh, a, uh, a study, it started out as, as potentially giving the state the ability to pause resettlement, then it was turned into a study where we're going to look at the impacts of resettlement. That was very controversial, but that passed, signed by Governor Doug Burgum. In Fargo specifically, uh, a you know, commissioners basically asked uh, for a report. Yesterday, that report was delivered uh, to the commissioners, uh, the city commissioners. One of the people in attendance was Cass County City Commissioner Chad Peterson. And uh, thank you for your time, Chad. And second, I, I, I looked at the report, and... I don't know. I mean, I'm not seeing a lot of information there. I mean, to me, the, the the big data point out of there was just how little information we collect about refugee resettlement. That was my takeaway. Hey, Mr. Ford, how are you? I'm good. Mr. Chad here, of course. Well, I think I was expecting more, and I think maybe that was my fault for expecting more meat. Uh, I was hoping for, I kind of said jokingly on the air last uh, night, was I was actually hoping for a five-minute meeting where they'd give us a brief, hello, how do you do, welcome, here's how much things cost, does anybody have any questions, and then we can all move along. Unfortunately, there was a, a, a substantive lack of meat uh, in this report, and I was sort of disappointed in that, but uh, I think there's some politics that are interjecting themselves in this, and that's the unfortunate part about this. There's the left and right, and I'd rather make this into something more mundane and boring i'd rather make it just into something like i said it's just simple costs and i'm not sure that a lot of people want that number out and it's not for fear of that number being too big or too small it's just because they think there's going to be this political weapon that's created and i don't think that's the case certainly not the case from my perspective certainly not the case from people that i've talked to it's just a matter of quantifying what things really cost and then what we do is we take that data and move on whether it's to the state, whether it's the federal government, uh, other local government agencies, and say we need to find out a better way to fund what we're doing right now because I don't think we're doing the people a service. We're, we're asking these refugees to settle into some place where they've never been. Often they don't speak the language, sometimes don't even have a job, and we're asking them to pick up as though they were just a regular citizen and chug along with their day. That's not, I don't think, very reasonable. So here's an, an example that I give. When, when this debate was going on down in the legislature, I thought that one of the Fargo lawmakers during the House debate, uh, when it passed in the House, one of the Fargo lawmakers made a really good point. It was Representative Kathy Hogan, a Democrat from Fargo. She stood up. She said that she felt that this study, although she had some quibbles with it, 
She thought it was an important study. Uh, and then she went on to say that she felt, uh, she pointed out that, that you know, I, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, the state of North Dakota did a similar study into refugee resettlement. And the result of that study wasn't some political backlash against refugee resettlement. The result of it was lawmakers recognizing they needed to put more funding into English language learning programs. So actually what what it turned out is there was more funding to help, I think, some of the issues that you're identifying, which is helping to integrate some of these folks into our community better. But but let me ask you – I'm sorry, go ahead. That's actually quite correct. In fact, you know – Representative Hogan used to be our director of social services here in Cass County. And interestingly enough, side note backing up 8, 10, 12 years, was the gentleman who was in charge of LSS was Mr. Nelson, the gentleman who was in charge of this report. And she had interactions with them back then saying, we do not have the capacity to take what LSS is giving us. So interesting dynamics over, over time, I think. For sure, for sure. Uh, let me ask you a little bit more about the politics of this, though. I mean, when I read through the port report, I saw a lot of anecdotes, and I saw a lot of reliance on this one national study, which I don't necessarily yeah. have. I don't really necessarily. I don't have any reason to question the data there. It's just not a lot of North Dakota specific information, and I think that's what a lot of us were hoping. Why do you think? Because we keep hearing that. You know, we'll hear. Uh, you know, well, we don't really track that, but, you know, we don't, it's not causing any problems. It's like everybody's got to tag that disclaimer on it. Is it just that everybody's afraid? Everybody's just afraid that if they speak out and say, well, these are the costs, that they're going to get called a bigot? Correct. And I, are you referencing the $3,200 number? I, 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 I guess I wasn't referencing it, but explain. What is okay. that? I, I wasn't well, referencing the, anything. It's part of the, so the, within the larger report, they gave us a quick handout of the six five, six-pager, and part of that was that immigrants uh, contribute to the North Dakota economy, essentially. First-year immigrants was a $3,200 number. Right, okay. We're not talking about immigrants. We're talking about refugees, and that's where people start to get muddled. And as simple as a concept as it may be, a lot of people struggle with differentiating between immigrants and refugees. So when we talk immigrants, we're talking the doctors that are working at Sanford Hospital, you know, and, and people that are helping Blue Cross Blue Shield with IT, Microsoft with IT. So these are people that are high-end earners that are going to skew that number quite drastically uh, away from someone working at, you know, the window manufacturing plant here in town. I think, to your point, though, people are afraid. And, and it's, it's on both sides because from the rights perspective, and I'm going to be very general and stereotypical here and it's probably not right, but from the rights perspective, uh, you come out and say anything against anyone that's not a Lutheran that likes vanilla ice cream, well, clearly you're a racist because you don't like them because of their religion, because of the color of their skin, whatever. And whatever. It is what it is, I suppose. I, I don't think anybody involved in this program that said in your radio program when you and I spoke after my testimony last time, this never would have gotten this far if we were a bunch of Klan members. We just, we're just not built that way in North Dakota. So... That's from the right. From the left, their concern is, I would think, that the messaging, it, what they're seeing is, well, then you're, what, what people are hearing, a refugee is hearing after all the struggles they've been through, some idiot is coming out and saying, well, how much do you, does it cost for you to live here? They're not hearing our part of the story, though. The second part, which is why we're doing this, is what you alluded to prior, is that what we want to do is we want to take care of you better. Because right now we're doing immigrants and refugees, well, not immigrants, but refugees, a disservice by simply dumping them on the system and walking away. And I, I struggle with people on the left telling me they care more than I do when essentially we're advocating to find out what's going on so that we can help more 
when they're saying, just leave us alone, everything is fine. It's not fine. And I've sat through quarterly meetings at LFS, and one of the stories I said was, one of the first meetings I went to, there were two gentlemen discussing an idea they had that led to one of them getting a grant, and the other one didn't get the grant. He said, it was my idea, you took my idea, you got grant money that I should have gotten. And we're not talking about tens of thousands of dollars here in grant money. We're talking about thousands of dollars. These people are seriously concerned over that little amount of money. Well, yeah, they are, because that little amount of money to them is a ton for their 501c3 programming. The 501c3s don't have any money either. So how can we be perceived, in my mind, how can we be perceived as being so bad when we're the ones that I think want to help? We, we want to do a better job for the people that are coming here. And unfortunately, that message doesn't get carried through. And, and I, you know, again, when I yeah. speak in public to the large numbers of people that I have, once they hear us talk more than the couple snippets they hear from supposedly, I guess, their advocates, they start saying, wait, you're, you're not saying what we were told you were saying. Well, no, we're not. We're actually on your team, and I contend that we're on your team more than a lot of the people that say they're on your team. And well, I, I don't know. The, the, the goal here is to make good public policy. And, and obviously what, what, it, what constitutes good public policy is going to vary based on everybody's ideologies or whatever. And that's, that is what it is. But at the, at the end of the day, it seems to me like we should all agree you got to measure – the problem, or or just even find if there is a problem, you know, I, and I think that's the problem. Is so much of the debate. I hear people who oppose refugee resettlement in North Dakota who don't want them here, making all sorts of wild claims that I would sometimes like to refute. Except that I don't really know. I don't know. We're uh, so much of this debate is taking place in a vacuum that you know we, we got to get over this hump to where we're at least measuring it, and then we can have a debate about public policy, and then it might be Bingo. appropriate to say that, that somebody is, uh, you know, being cold-hearted or whatever, and we can have that debate after we have the info, but we don't have the info. And really, I think that was the use of the report we got last night is, you know, I looked at that finding section, and it's 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 a litany of, here are all the reasons why we can't collect information. Okay, well, let's find some ways to get around that stuff. Let's yep. find some ways where we can get solid data. Chad, we're all out of time. I appreciate it. I uh, certainly right, hope uh, thankful, thankful for you coming on and uh, sharing your point of view. This is the Rob Report. If you want to weigh in, uh, what do you think? If, if you want to read the full report we're talking about, it's up at sayanythingblog.com. It's on the far, City of Fargo's website as well. Uh, but that's the point I've been trying to make all along. It's not racist to collect information. And we can't make good public policy without accurate information. And I think that's what we want to do here is have a debate over what is good public policy in relation to this situation, because it's not going away. The debate over this existed long before Donald Trump was in office, long before 2016, 2017. But here we are. Maybe if we got good data and made some good public policy decisions, then we could get past this debate. Love to hear from you. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report. You know, if, if you've been following the refugee issue, you know, particularly, I guess, in the Fargo area, and, and you want to see this report, you, you should take the time to read the report that they got last night. It's up at sayanythingblog.com. It's also on the City of Fargo website. It's not very long. A lot of it's, a, you know, 
pretty pictures and lists of people who participated. The meat of it's not very long. A lot of the information is not very pertinent to our region. But it is telling. I, 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 th- I think the most interesting thing is you read in there, and it's just a list of all the ways why, why we can't get information. And, again, I don't, I don't know. Commissioner Peterson, would, he was just on, Chad Peterson from Cass County, and he runs through, and, and he said, you know, a lot of people are afraid to, to put this information out. A lot of people don't want this information to come out. And I, I think there's a genuine feeling on the left, I, I, I guess, or, or, or the people who are, you know, sort of fighting this this quest, Commissioner Dave Pepcourt's quest quest for information. You know, there's a lot of feeling among those people that the response to the to the, to the data, the response to the cost, is going to be a backlash against refugee resettlement, and I. I think the response to that is to say, well, yeah, some people might use it that way. You know, a lot of people use statistics to make a lot of different arguments. Some of those arguments are good. Others aren't so good. But the, the thing is, is you can't, you can't oppose information because some people might not use it appropriately. And, and by the way, those people who are just four square against refugee resettlement are going to feel that way no matter what. Got a couple of emails coming in. Far be it that the taxpayer ever get accountability for the money. Shame on you, racists. Yeah. I mean, I mean, again, this is about trying to build sound public policy. And to do that, we need information. And the information we have, and again, I think that's the point that was revealed by this report delivered to the Fargo City Commission last night. The point is... We don't have a lot of good information. We're not collecting it for various reasons. And we ought to look at how we can get around some of that and get some of the data. Because this is an issue we need to understand. Another emailer. The problem I view it is we throw money at the world's problems when we have never solved our own issues. Well, here's here's the issue. We're never going to solve any of the problems. Right? Social issues are... There's no hard and fast solution. I mean, you can address them. You can mitigate them. But... If you're out to try to solve these things, there's no solution. There's no silver bullet. There's no magic wand that makes it go away. And again, that's why we've got to be constantly collecting information. That's why the North Dakota legislature passing a study to look at refugee resettlement in North Dakota is a good thing. Hopefully it'll produce some information. And hopefully we could turn around and use that information to make the resettlement go a little easier to find ways to work with the federal government, to work with Lutheran Social Services, to make this whole thing easier on everybody. But it's fair to ask, what are the costs of the schools? What are the costs to, to social programs? It's, it's fair to understand that stuff. We should understand that stuff. We should be trying to understand it all the time. This is uh, the Rob Report. We'll continue this discussion. Also, I want to talk Commissioner Dave Pepcorn missing that meeting last night i just put out a post about that we'll talk about it coming up next 701-293-9000-888-970-9329 dudes in the middle of a recall doesn't show up for the meeting love to hear what you think about that more to come straight ahead on the rob report don't go away
Welcome back. Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. So one interesting part of the meeting last night over refugee resettlement and, and this report that came out, which mostly just tells us that there's not a lot of information out there about refugee resettlement. The interesting thing is that Commissioner Dave Pepcorn, who has become, I, I guess, a controversial issue, excuse me, controversial person, because of his push for information about refugee resettlement. As a matter of fact, uh, he was one of the commissioners who pushed for the report that was unveiled last night. Uh, he was on vacation. He wasn't there. Uh, it was noted prominently in media reports. The people who are out trying to recall him have, uh, they sent out a press release about it. They noted it. And it's just, it's terrible optics. I mean, what, what, talk about a, a, a bad time to take a vacation. Um, it was the vacation itself, I, I guess, or excuse me, the meeting last night was scheduled like six weeks ago. Um, you know, I don't know when Commissioner Pepcorn scheduled his vacation, but listen, when you are, when you are a public servant, uh, you you know hold public office that you were elected to, and you stir controversy by creating a, you know pushing for information on a controversial topic, and then a report that you pushed for gets introduced, and then you're not there. I, you know it it looks terrible. You're in the middle of a recall. And by the way, I don't think the recall of Commissioner Pepcord is going to be successful. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think people... I, I, I think there is a very noisy contingent of people who think that Commissioner Pepcorn is being racist or bigoted or anybody who wants information on this is racist or bigoted. Um, that, that community, you know, they're the ones who are pushing the recall. And I don't think they're going to be successful. But that being said... To the extent that Commissioner Pepcorn could lose the faith of enough people in the voting public in Fargo to lose election, it could be because of some of the false things he said about Lutheran Social Services. He got called out in a letter to the editor by former Commissioner Mike Williams not that long ago. Commissioner Pepcorn saying false things. Either he didn't know they were false or he knew they were false and said them anyway. Either way, it doesn't look very flattering for Commissioner Pepcorn. So either that's the case or, you know, you, you've got that, and then you have him not showing up for this meeting. The trust of the people can be a very fragile thing. It can be a very delicate thing. And if you start doing things that, that allow yourself to be perceived, and in politics, perception is reality, if you do things that allow yourself to be perceived as lackadaisical, indifferent, uncareful, incautious about your, your duties as a public servant, that could come back and bite you. That could come back and bite you. So, I don't know, wrong time for a vacation, Commissioner Pepcord. 701-293-9000, Also, I wrote another piece this morning on the blog, and it, it ties into to what we spent yesterday's show 
talking about. I, I, I thought the forum's editorial today was was very, very good. And the, the forum editorial dealt with the situation in West Fargo where you have the teacher who was on social media, um, you know, I, I guess mocking or saying sarcastic things about some of her students. And, you know, obviously there's a social media, there's social media outrage about that. And the forum editorial says, I quote, what could have been a teachable moment for an inexperienced teacher turned into a witch hunt as, how, how are we pronouncing this name, Natil? I guess I haven't heard it pronounced. Tahista? Her, yeah, I, I Her believe first. it's, I believe it's Tahista, Tahista. Tahista? Tahista? Okay. Was vilified and portrayed as callous. Uh, placed on leave during an investigation, Tahista concluded that she had had enough, and on Wednesday, April 12th, submitted her resignation. School officials allowed themselves to be manipulated by an anonymous group of parents that the effect was ruining a young woman's career. Now, I, I don't think there was anything wrong with the parents going to school officials. I'm a little more dubious about them alerting the media. But the thing that the forum editorial doesn't mention is the social media mob that formed around this. And, you know, again, I, this gets into something that I was talking about yesterday which is that you know every day through our various social media channels we're, we get a steady stream of outrage amid the you know the news and the photos of people's kids and stuff like that um and it's it's almost like and i i think this is a point i didn't make yesterday it's almost like when you have a bad experience at the grocery store like the clerk was rude to you or you got some rotten fruit, you know, you, like you peeled the orange and it was rotten inside or something like that. Or you're at a restaurant and and someone didn't, you know, tip or I, I don't know, whatever it is. It's almost like we're not seeing that as an opportunity to maybe talk with the people involved and reach some sort of resolution there or talk to a manager, or talk to a supervisor or deal with it. In real life, no, we see it as fodder for our own little reality show that we're all running on social media. I, I think a lot of people see it that way. They see it as an opportunity, like something bad happens to them, and I think, oh, if I put this on Facebook, I'll get a lot of likes. I'll get a lot of comments. I put it on Twitter, I'll get a lot of retweets. To the point where some people fake it, right? We see those stories now and then. Right. What was it? Was there was a pastor who was in like a Whole Foods or something and got a got a cake and claimed that like in the frosting, there was like a homophobic slur on it or something like that. And or, or maybe it was a racial. So I, I forget it. Something offensive was supposedly written on the cake and he took it back and it turned out he was lying. There was a rape waitress recently who claimed that. um you know, somebody had written something offensive on the receipt instead of giving her a tip. Turned out she was lying. And it's, I, it, it, it's just, it's frustrating. I, I, I thought the forum's editorial hit it. They didn't go far enough because I think they maybe didn't loop in what, what is the, the sort of 300-pound gorilla in the room, which is our fascination with ourselves on social media. The, the narcissism, right? Because it's, and it's, it's not just, nar I mean, narcissism is a part of it, right? Like something bad happens to you. Don't go talk to the manager. Put it on Facebook, right? So there's that. And then you have like the vigilantism, 
right, where it's like immediately, like, somebody's got to be fired. Some business has got to be boycotted. It's like, hold up. Slow down. Now, that being said, I mean, I, I started a blog 14 years ago. That's my career now. So I understand the importance of the medium. I understand how powerful it could be and how good it is in many, many ways. But the point I'm making, and I think this West Fargo teacher, there's an element of it in that story. I think there's an element of it in uh, the cookie shop story from yesterday, right, where the woman was in the cookie shop and uh, the employee, I guess, said something derogatory about a police officer pulled up, turned out the police officer was her boyfriend. There's an element of it in that. There's an element of it a lot of times in the news, right? I mean, a big part of the news media's roles these days is to, like, follow around behind the social media mob and pick up the pieces. And it's troubling, and it's frustrating, and it's it's something ugly about modern society that I wish I wish wasn't true. I wish we didn't have these impulses. I think it says something ugly about us as a society that so many people behave this way. I hate that people, when they get bad service in a business, their impulse is not to talk to that business, but to go on Facebook and trash the business. I hate that impulse. I think it's an ugly impulse. There may be instances where it's appropriate, right? I mean, there may be some situations where talking to the masses like that is okay, but I think overall there is whatever you want to call it, a mob mentality, a hive mind, vigilantism, narcissism, but it's real and it's there and it's ugly and it's something I wish maybe we would identify and, and learn not to do. More to come straight ahead. We'll wrap up the Rob Report right after this. 701-293-9000, We'll be back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. Going to wrap up the show here. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. I uh, got a few emails here on the social media thing. Uh, first emailer, Rob. Well, Rob, I don't do social media, so I'll just send you a like here. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, Dwayne says, isn't that what you guys do every day? I, I guess his point being... You know, like the controversy stuff, whatever. Yeah, I mean, listen, the, the media doesn't. And listen, some of it's going to be in the eye of the beholder, right? What is and is not newsworthy is going to be in the eye of the beholder. I have people tell me all the time that the stuff I write about isn't newsworthy. Usually when, you know, they don't like the conclusions or they don't like the topic or whatever. So they'll say, oh, you know, it must have been a slow news day, Rob, or something. So I get it. Everybody has, like, you know, different points of view. On some of this stuff, you know, what does and does not constitute, uh, you know, valid news. And but the media does absolutely do sensationalism. I, you know what I hate are, are the stories like some dude out in California can't hang an American flag outside of his house because of the homeowners association. And everybody's sharing it like crazy on Facebook and going crazy. And 
It's like, well, why did you move into a neighborhood that has a homeowners association that won't let you fly a flag? Why would you live in a neighborhood with a homeowners association if that's how you feel? Right? So, I mean, the press does it too. And I, you know, the, but the press is what, what, what we're serving, I, I guess, sometimes. And I mean, maybe I do it too. I, I try to avoid it. I try to be cognizant of it. But, you know, if, if people want to criticize me on those lines, I'll listen. I'm not going to necessarily agree with you. But, you know, I, I think it's something we just have to recognize in ourselves. I really do. Another emailer says, uh, Brad's wife getting fired from Cracker Barrel, prime example of the scary power of social media. <laughs> oh, that Cracker Barrel thing was hilarious. Uh, let's see. Another emailer says, uh, uh, talking about the refugee resettlement report, with so little info being available and published in the current refugee report, does it matter that Pepcorn wasn't present for the big reveal? Aren't you manufacturing your own fake news by making it into more of a story than it is? Just saying, um, listen, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's fair. I mean, he's a public official. I don't think it's fake news to point out the fact that he wasn't at the meeting. Now, if he wants to explain why he wasn't there, he can do that and voters can decide how they feel about it. But, you know, I'm just saying politically, the optics are bad. He didn't show up. That looks bad. Uh, another emailer, Gary, says, uh, Rob, I'm wondering your thoughts on this. Have we as a society been trained uh, to jump on sensational stories? Social media seems like seems to be going this direction as well. There are always two sides to every story, and we seem to be very quick to judge and share our opinion before we get all the facts because it will give us some level of perceived intelligence over everyone else. You know, you put your finger on it, Gary. Um, I don't know if we're being trained. I you know, social media has made the whole process faster. I'm not sure that, that, you know, pouncing on stories that outrage us or the news delivering stories that, that are calculated to outrage. I don't know that anything is new about that, per se. What I do think, though, is that social media has, has put it on steroids, right? Has made the whole process faster and more pervasive, but we've always, I mean, there's always been, you know, what the public is interested in. Well, what is the public interested in, right? Every once in a while, I'll get a gripe from somebody who says, well, Rob, you never write about positive things. Well, you know what? Nobody wants to read about the positive things. When I've written about positive things in the past, you know what happens? Nobody clicks on those stories. Because safe plane landings aren't news. Now, I don't, when I write, I don't set out to, to try to, make people mad on purpose. But the issues that are worth talking to, to about are, to me, are, are the problems, right? Where we have a problem. And I think that's perfectly valid, right? The UND cutting the women's hockey program, refugee resettlement in Fargo, whether or not a commissioner shows up to a meeting, should he have been there, shouldn't he have been there? Those things are valid topics for public discourse. What I'm not so sure, what I'm worried about is when we form a social media mob because we find out that some, uh, you know, pizza parlor in Indiana uh, doesn't want to cater a homosexual wedding. It doesn't matter the fact that the pizza parlor doesn't cater weddings. They made the comment, somebody found it, it gets elevated into this national thing, and the next thing you know, that business is getting death threats. That's what I'm worried about. 
That's the sort of thing. I, I don't think stuff like that, or you go in, oh, my coffee's cold at Starbucks. Let's get some social media justice. It is an ugly impulse. It is a narcissistic impulse. To see a situation where you get bad service at a grocery store or something bad happens to you, or you have a, a, a you know sharp words with your kid's teacher or something, and now you're on social media, and maybe not all these things make it into the news, but it's an impulse. I don't know about you. I'm seeing it all the time on social media. I see it multiple times a day where people are doing that sort of thing. And it's not positive. It's not good. It's not a good impulse. We talk all the time about how divided America is now. How we have this, you know, we're so polarized now. What do you think part of it might be that instead of talking to the people we have problems with, instead we talk about them on Facebook? Because talking about it on Facebook is easier. Because then all your friends and your family and everybody will give you a thumbs up, give you comments, strokes your ego a little bit. And you don't have to have that confrontation with that other person. Confronting people you disagree with, confronting people you have problems with, has never been easy. It's never been easy. But what's easier now than ever is avoiding that confrontation. You can make you, you can feel like you're doing something about it because you're writing about it on Facebook, you're writing about it on Twitter. But you don't, it doesn't solve anything. In fact, I, I would argue it makes things worse. Anyway. That's it for this week. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. You can catch me 24 hours a day, seven days a week at SayAnythingBlog.com or here on 970 WDAY, 1 to 2 p.m., Monday through Friday. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Wake up, mama. Turn your lamb down low.